I just want to personally invite you to the prayer, praise, and pie next uh, Sunday night. Come be a part of that. And, uh, you know, even though it's a little bit more fallish, actually quite a bit fallish and a little bit cooler, it is not wrong to bring coconut cream pie. <laughs> just saying. Don't know why I would say that, other than it's my favorite. But that's, uh, that's part of it. So uh, just if you... Lord, lay that on your heart right now. That'd be a wonderful thing. Um, well, it, yeah, I can. Karen said, no, we stood up, sat up close, you know, today. And I said, that's so I can see your warning signs better. Cause you... Anyways, no, it actually, it's always just, it's a, it's a simple night. We, we won't be here long. We just get together. We sing praises of our Savior, time of thanksgiving, uh, sharing scripture of what God has done in our lives. Of, we have so much to be thankful for. And, and that's what it is. It's, it's so simple. That's why I love Thanksgiving time, too. It's just Thanksgiving in, 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 in food and pie. But the giving of thanks is a very, very, very biblical thing. In fact, it's commanded. In fact, uh, I think we spend, myself, I'll just speak for me, too much time grumbling and, and complaining uh, often within my heart and uh, that is not right so we should give thanks for all things right so let's uh, come together next Sunday night the other thing is Operation Christmas Child with the, the, the boxes back there uh, I just want to um, remind everybody that next week is the last week to turn turn those in uh, you know they have to get them shipped out to wherever they may be going in time for Christmas and so if you're being a part of that let's get those in next week and uh, we'll get those out and thank you for being a part of that ministry it's a, it is a wonderful ministry so um, that's uh, what I wanted to hit so <clears throat> this morning um, I actually usually have quite a bit of somewhat confidence just based on the gifts God has given me in practice and in time in the pulpit. But today I, I have to admit to you, I'm, I'm a little more nervous and I want to tell you, tell you a bit why. Because um, if you get your note sheet out, it says Ephesians. We're not going to be in Ephesians today. And, um, and here's the reason why. You know, this week started out like so many other, other of my weeks, busy days at the office in San Jose on Monday and Tuesday, and then youth group on Wednesday night. And, and uh, you know, during this time, I find time uh, in the evening or, or whenever I can to prepare where I'll be teaching uh, in Ephesians. And we were to be in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And so that is my habit. And I, then I roll the passage around in my head all week. And I'm praying for illustrations. I'm praying to see different insights into the scripture. And I just... For lack of a better word, I guess I meditate on the passage and really try to just get a grasp of it. And uh, I was doing that this week. And then on Saturdays is the, is the time I finish up um, by typing out my sermon. And, and everything was moving along as planned. I completely planned and probably could pick up Ephesians and do a decent job, even though it's uh, not, not typed out. But then Friday afternoon, I sat down to relax a little bit in the late afternoon, somewhere around 2.30 or 3, uh, around the time that I pick up, pick up Emily. And, and um, I don't know if you know this, I'm a, I'm a Twitter fan. I, I like Twitter. Um, and I follow my sports, I follow news, theology, different, uh, um, just different authors I like. And, and I enjoy Twitter because it's just, you know, quick little sentence and I see what's going on in the world and I can choose to hit the link and read more or just go, that's interesting, and move on with my day. But I was doing that, and I was looking through other people's tweets and, and from official news stations and such, and suddenly the Twitter feed started to light up. And it lit up with mentions of Paris. And when I saw Paris, I thought, no, oh, that's interesting. And then I started seeing Pray for Paris. And at that point I knew, you know, you see that, that's not good. And there's trouble in Paris and terror in Paris. The headlines started coming through. And throughout the rest of the day and the evening, I read and watched really in tremendous sadness and, and horror at the murder of what I believe they say now is, at least last I looked, at least 129 souls. Bombs at soccer games, gunmen at restaurants, hostages and gunmen at concerts. 
And it reminded me of the sadness and fear that we as a people experienced on, on 9-11. And thinking, I was also thinking just how the world is so different today for my children than it was for me growing up. Just different worries, just different things. I, you know, you've heard me say this before. I remember when flying was fun. You know, and you would get dressed up. And, and uh, it was an event. And you got a whole can of soda instead of a little cup. But... Uh, yeah, but now, you know, there's so much security, and rightly so, and, and as, a, as, a, as a, you know, general rule, they've done a very good job protecting us, um, and I'm thankful for that. But then you look at the last week, you see these things, you see that in Beirut, 43 were killed in a suicide bomb attack. Off the coast of Japan, there was a 7.0 earthquake. Baghdad had suicide bombings, Mexico uh, in the past weeks, we've seen hurricanes, earthquakes, and then, of course, we saw Paris. And as the evening went on, I saw tweets rolling in that were, that were hard. Saying things like this, I've lost my faith in humanity. Okay, maybe that's good. But then I read yesterday... Oh, my faith in humanity is being restored by all the outpouring of support for France. Hmm. Is it good for us to have outpouring? Should we as people be compassionate and caring? Absolutely. Is that where our faith is found? See, our faith is found in Christ. But in all this, I can't help but think, and I, then my, my heart turned to you because I was feeling sadness. I was feeling anger. I will admit that in my flesh... Hatred can come out of my heart. Bible says be angry and do not sin. And we should hate sin, shouldn't we? Absolutely. I just know my flesh. I get so nervous when anger rises in my heart. Because I know how quickly that will turn to sin, at least with me. Fear. Christ for vengeance. Christ for justice. Politicians quick to offer multiple solutions. And then I would see these tweets. Pray if you like, but where was God in this? Did religion cause this anyways? And these questions started rummaging not around in my mind, and I could not shake them, and I was finding myself distracted from my study in Ephesians. And I started thinking, well, Lord, is it a distraction, or is it the Holy Spirit prompting me to share and open God's word for answers from scripture during times of terror. And I pray that that is the Holy Spirit because that's where we're headed. <laughs> you see, when the earth seems out of control, when disasters, natural or man-made, strike, when life is lost, when suffering hits on a large scale like 9-11 or Paris, like this past Friday... We as people, we reel with fear and doubt, and questions rage in our hearts and in our minds. But tragedy also hits on smaller scales within our smaller communities and within our families. These same feelings of doubt and fear enter in quickly. Disease, death, loss, abuse, crime, broken families, poverty, injustice, slavery, trafficking of people. It rattles us and it shakes us to the core. But today I feel we must look at scripture and I want to look at God's word and remind us of a great, great truth. One that will hold us in times of trial, tribulation, suffering, whatever may come our, our way. Whatever may come. And this is the truth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing. And so the message this morning, it's not going to be a nice and tidy three points, a couple of illustrations, and here's your application. It might just seem a little bit random, for lack of a better word. Welcome to my mind, I guess, which is a very scary thing. But it will be a time that we go to remind ourselves of God's sovereign care and the victory of Christ. So let's jump in. I just have, just going to jump in with this. When, when tragedy strikes... People ask, where is God? Isn't that a common question? Where is God when this happens? I always find it interesting, and I'm completely stealing this one from John Piper, that he has said this. 
When tragedy strikes, people say, where is God? When people walk outside on a beautiful spring day in the park and the birds are chirping and life is good and the hot dog stand is over there and your family and your kids are playing peacefully, no one asks, where is God in this? They just assume that that's the blessings of humanity in the norm. But where is God in that? God is there also. He's there in the times of blessing and he's also there in the times of tragedy. So where is God? Here is your answer. Psalm 103, 19. <clears throat> the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. You ever see old buildings? How many of you like history? I love history. I like American history. Um, going to Washington, D.C. was just a joy uh, for me, I've been to Philadelphia, New York City, I've been down near Wall Street, and you see these old magnificent buildings, and you see on there, founded, 1820. And you see these buildings that are old, some of these old churches made of stone, and you say, that church is not going anywhere. It is, I mean, it is just strong. It is established. God has established his throne in the heavens. If God establishes something, will it be moved? Absolutely not. So God is on his throne and his sovereign care and his sovereign kingdom rules and reigns. We must not forget that. God is on the throne. He is sovereign is the word we use, which means he rules and he governs all things in this universe. And since, since he is holy, God does this without sin. And he also mysteriously does this without removing responsibility from us. You see, man is judged according to their deeds and their actions. Remember a month or two ago when we were just starting in Ephesians, we said some things are God things. They're big. We don't know this side of heaven exactly how it works, and we don't need to. The mysterious things belong to God, it says in scriptures. So how God does these things is a mystery, and we know, though, that scripture is perfectly clear on who God is. He is sovereign. And he does this. And we saw this in Ephesians 1. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. I'm going to say that again. Ephesians 1 verse 11. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. All means all. The good and the bad. What we, we determine is bad. He also works all things together for good. For those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. <clears throat> An awesome verse to run to in times of uncertainty is this. Is Romans eleven thirty three through thirty six, and, and can I confess there are times I question God sinfully, where you see things happen, and go what, what is going on? Why? That's why it's so important we run to scriptures instead of our own wisdom and our own philosophy. Listen to Romans eleven, what Paul says, verse thirty three through thirty six. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how, and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him <clears throat> that he might be repaid? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. See, God's ways are not our ways. And here's how Paul describes it. Rich, the depths of his riches and his wisdom and his knowledge. He knows all. It's unsearchable are his judgments. We can't question his ways. And we don't know his mind. And we're not his counselor. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I receive counsel from people. 
I received good counsel and, and bad counsel. How many of you gotten good advice from people before? How many of you gotten poor advice from people before? God doesn't take advice. He is God. And his ways are unsearchable. He knows all. All things. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. To give you comfort, I went through some scriptures and found some of the all things. Matthew 10. Let's all turn there. Twenty-six through thirty-three. This is in the context. If you look uh, earlier, that persecution is coming. You know, those of us in Christ will be there in a few more scriptures. You'll see it today. We will suffer for Christ. It, it is a promise in Scripture. And so Jesus says this, he says, for those who will persecute us, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's appropriate words for us, isn't it? Appropriate words for the world. I think we fear the wrong things oftentimes. And then look at this. Here's some of the all things that our God knows. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Just question, those of you who are good at math, two sparrows, sparrows sold for a penny, how much is a sparrow worth? Half a cent. Pretty valuable stuff. Are, two, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We are so much more valuable. And where have we been in Ephesians? How valuable are we, saints? How valuable? How were you purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ? You're valuable. And a sparrow worth a half a cent will not fall to the ground without God knowing and God allowing. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Sounds very similar to James chapter 4, 13 through 15. It says this, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord will, we will live and we will do this or that. God's will. He works all things according to his counsel. We're a mist. I love the, I love the cold weather. And in a lot of ways, you know, I'm just a, kind of a big kid. I still like seeing my breath when it's cold. I don't know if anyone, I know. Just please don't judge me, all right? Just, just be nice. But like last night I walked out into the cold air and Katie was with me. I'm like, <sighs> like, you see that? You know, because I knew this passage, right? So she starts doing it. You couldn't see anything. I said, Katie, maybe you're a robot. How come you can see mine, but not yours? You're, you're cold. Your, your air is as cold as the air. She gave me a dirty look. I'm a teaser. But when we do that, we see it go out. Does it last long? Depends on how cold it is, right? It doesn't last very long here in California. That's how God describes through his perfect scripture our life. It's a mist. It appears for a while and then it vanishes. And so during that time that our mist is active, 
we should say, if the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. You see, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next hour brings. But we know that a sparrow won't fall from the sky without our Father knowing. We know that if he chooses to take us in the most horrific way or in our sleep, it's in his sovereign care. And we have no need to fear. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. I read a missionary story one time, and off the top of my head, I, I can't remember who it was. I know it was in China, and they said, I believe he was going up to the mountains in Burma. And everyone warned him and said, don't go, you'll die. There are headhunters there, there are killers there. And he said this, and this has stuck with me. He says, I will go because I am immortal until God chooses to take me home. I thought, that's profound. And that's true. I don't think I would recommend going jumping off any cliffs or anything like that, right? But doing the work of God, living our lives centered on his will, go with boldness. Go without fear. The Lord our God is with us. And he is sovereignly in control over our lives. What else does God know? Proverbs 16.33, back in there. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. 1 Peter 4.19. God knows the suffering of his people. Therefore, let us who suffer according to his will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Isaiah 46, 8 through 11. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. Your transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of, fray, a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. God is in control. All things. God is sovereign. And I'm repeating it again. He works all things after the counsel of his will. And then we think of Job. I remember my friend Phil Clark, who's, who's with the Lord, he, he, he said to me one day, he goes, I, I don't, I don't want to read Job. I don't like reading Job. I said, why? He goes, what if he asked me to be Job? That's a good point. But not reading it's not going to you know, change that if that's what God has for us. He goes, I know. <laughs> but Job 1, verse 21 Losing his family, he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Who does he ascribe the trial? He saw God's hand, even the bad. The Lord gave. We like when God gives, don't we? I do. I, mean, I like it a lot. And the Lord has taken away. A little bit harder, isn't it? But what does Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. We sing that song, blessed be your name. He gives and he takes away, but my heart will still say, blessed be your name. Right from the scriptures. Job chapter two, we meet Job and he's covered in boils. I just share with you, I can't imagine that. I know, uh, we have a friend who just had chicken pox, and that's no fun. You don't like that. What, I mean, just so uncomfortable, but boils. Uh, I think the, covered. I have a picture of this. One, you don't look good. Two, you're uncomfortable. We'll just stop there. You know how bad that would be. And he says this in the midst of that. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? James uses Job as an example, and this is what James says. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of 
Satan's dealings. Nope. He does not say that. You have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Job is the example of the Lord's dealings of compassion and mercy. Wrap your mind around that. Now we know that God repaid Job and restored him, right? What a blessing that it was. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And this is in James 5.11, if you want to turn there later this week. The Lord's dealings. Now, was Satan involved in this? Absolutely. He was absolutely involved in the torment and the trials of Job. But Job did not focus on that, that cause. He focused instead on the comfort that God brings. And it got dark for him. We know that. But he knew God was sovereign. And he knew that he, God, can do all things and no purpose of God's can be stopped. Yes, Satan is at work. But as an author has said, Satan is real. Satan is terrible. Satan is on a leash. God's sovereignty brings peace. God's sovereignty brings rest. It is our comfort. It is our joy. It is our hope. And so when terror strikes, God is on the throne. Second thought. And I know we did not exhaustively answer where was God in the time of terror, but he is on the throne. The second is this, in times of terror and suffering, we find our hope in Christ alone. He is our strength. We sing this, my hope is built on what? Nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And the events of this last, last week have given way to another, train, another tragedy. Another tragedy is happening even now as we speak. People are running to everything for answers, but the only thing that can bring real peace. Church, we need to run to Jesus, grab hold of Jesus, and grab people along the way. Take them with us. Share the gospel. Only Jesus brings hope. Jesus even said it. Don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill body and soul. Well, we've been made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do we have fear as believers for our eternity? No. We have blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. I know I'm quoting hymns more than I'm probably quoting scripture. I think we have a good mix. But these are the things that the, God has given the church for us to remind ourselves there's nothing wrong with quoting to him. Ephesians, we'll get there. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. That is what we are called to do. So we run to Christ. And if you entered church this morning and were seeking answer to, answers to what's been going on in the world, if you were seeking strength and to grow in grace and the peace amidst the trials, I only have one answer, and it's Jesus Christ. And remember what we said at the start of our teaching time. I said this, Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our hope. This is our peace. Can you imagine how awful it would be if all we could offer one another is earthly options, earthly opinions for our peace and for our security in time of terror or in time of any part of life? For I am confident of this very thing. Washington and the world leaders will fix this problem. Oh, I feel better. Thanks, brother. For I am confident of this very thing. The military will protect you from every threat and attack. You are safe. Now, I appreciate our military, please. Don't mishear me. They go where I won't go and can't go. And I so appreciate them. Veterans Day, I hope you made it a point to find people in uniform and to thank them. But is our hope in that? No. 
For I am confident of this very thing. Hollister is not a target for any calamity. Even if we do live on a fault line. (laughs) Don't worry about it. It won't happen here. Go in peace. Have a barbecue. Eat, drink, and be merry. You won't die. Is that where our confidence is? For I am confident, one last one. For I am confident of this very thing. It's bad right now, but eventually your faith in humanity will be restored. Great. What hope is that? It's a fool's hope. It's no hope. It's ridiculous. I know it sounded ridiculous, but believe me, this is what the talk shows, the newspapers, the web pages will be presenting as great solutions. How will humanity fix this? And for a moment or two, we will be somewhat unified on this because the anger and the shock will say, we got to get them. And I'm not offering political solutions today. I don't even want to go there. The solution is Christ. But soon, I guarantee you, people will not agree, and anything that's decided will unravel. Our hope is in Christ. And when all the world goes to chaos, on Christ we stand. He is our solid rock. You see what the world offers. Jesus even said it in Matthew chapter 7. The wise man, where do they build their house? On the rock. On Christ. On the foundation of him and the word of God. Where does the foolish man? On the sand. And then the storms come and the rains hit and the winds hit. And great is its fall. But the house built on the rock stands firm. Go to God's word. We go to Christ He is our hope. Romans 8, 31 through 39. People also ask, well, why does this happen? You know why this happens? We've been there in Ephesians chapter 2, haven't we? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And once you formally walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit of disobedience that is now at work in the world. These shouldn't surprise us. That man goes to extreme sin should never, ever surprise us. And actually, it's a reminder that, you know what? Within us, and this is hard for us to hear. It's hard for any human to hear. But apart from Christ and the grace of God, we have more in common with the terrorist than we do with Jesus Christ. I hate even saying that. Do you know? I mean, seriously, in my heart, I go, no, that's... My flesh wants to fight that statement. They don't know me. I'm a good guy. I wouldn't do that. No, apart from Christ, we are capable and gifted at horrendous sin. So we need Christ. We need his grace. Romans 8 Verse 31. What, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Is it a dangerous world? Yes, it sure seems that way, right? These things happen and I start going, I start getting my kids' schedule out. You head into San Francisco anytime to, to go goof around and shop? 
I'm not a real big fan of big cities right now. And we worry, but, and we sit there, I think it might be dangerous. It is a dangerous world, but what does God's word just say there? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Danger or sword or terrorism? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ. A third thought that I wrote down is this, and we've hit on it a little bit. People will be looking for answers to their questions. Proclaim to them your hope in Christ. Don't be shy. Be bold. You see, we live in a world my opinion, where people desperately want to deny that evil exists. But then this happens. Terrorism strikes and people start to ask questions. Isn't humanity better than this? What's the answer? No, it's not. You see, when sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was no small deal. It was tragic. It was completely, totally tragic. Death entered in. Separation from God. Through Adam, we all have now a sinful nature. By nature, nature, natural children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So is humanity better than this? No, it is not, apart from Christ. People ask, how could this happen? It happens because this world is fallen and broken. And so Friday afternoon and evening, as people turn on their TV, they sometimes forget history. And they say, how could this happen? I can't believe this is happening. And they forget September 11, 2001. They forget about the Holocaust. They forget about the killing fields of Cambodia. They forget about school shootings. But there are times in life when evil stares us right in the face. And it's undeniable. And then people ask, why did this happen? How does this happen? And how do we fix evil? Take advantage of it. In the midst of terror, God's grace is evident. Because sometimes for the first time, people are starting to ask the right questions. They deny evil their whole life, and then they can't. What is the answer to evil? Jesus Christ. The overcomer. So use these evil times to announce peace, to proclaim news of happiness, as it says in Isaiah. Our God reigns. We're moving into a time of Advent and Christmas time. We have the answer. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, our conqueror of death and of evil. Another thought I had is this. We'll kind of wrap up with this as followers of Christ we will suffer we will suffer in this world the world is falling the world is against Christ this world is anti-Christ and it seems to grow that way more and more read the end of the book right Christ even promised it it's going to get worse and worse here's the good news too though remember when he's, the disciples come to him and say hey you know Let's just, the wheat and the tares. 
well, let's just take care of this. Let's just start harvesting and right. And he says, ah, no. Wheat and tares both grow at the same time. So wheat's going to be growing at the same time tares are growing, right? God is building his kingdom. So at the same time as things get worse, that does not mean we just go, oh, things are getting worse and worse and we become cynical Christians. We go, yeah, it's getting worse for a moment. But in eternity, Christ reigns and he rules and he is coming again. And believe me, he will set it right. And his peace and his reign will be forever. And so in 1 Peter 4, let's turn there. It's a great passage. See, as Christians will suffer. Peter says this, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, it's interesting that Peter is writing this and very, very soon after this, who is the emperor in Rome? Nero. What did Nero do to Christians? He used them as torches in his courtyard during his pagan, sinful, heinous parties. I don't even want to call it a party. I think actually a party can be a good thing in Christ. I call it debauchery. I call it wickedness is what Nero was doing. And this is prophetic. Do not be surprised at a literal fiery ordeal which many readers of this ended up being burned for their love for Christ because of their salvation. But it continues on for us. Martyrdom is happening on a grand scale today. I don't the word grand, that's not good. Big. Grand sounds good. On a large, large scale. I have seen pictures coming out of ISIS and other in Sudan, in the Middle East, in Iran. Try being a Christian and see what happens. But they stand for our Savior, and Scripture says, do not be surprised. And can I say, we have been so blessed in America. I mean, we're here today. Did any of you even really... I came in here without fear. I was nervous about my message, right? But I didn't come in here going... I, I, I came in in faith and said, I'm not worried about gunmen and such. Now, could it happen? Yes. But for the most part, we're, man, America, we we're so blessed. We're not hiding in houses with the light off. We're not passing around one page of scripture and treasuring it like our brothers and sisters in China who don't have the full... We have Bibles everywhere. There's, I count six in the back right now that's treasured in so many other places because they're persecuted and they're confiscated. Their scriptures are. But it says here, believer... Loved of God, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Guys, I believe the day is coming that more and more will happen with us where we may face these trials. But be strong in Christ. Don't be surprised when it happens. But what's it say? Rejoice! Fiery trial, rejoice. Any of you ever just burn your finger cooking bacon or anything like that? You want to put me in an instant bad mood? Burn my tongue with too hot a coffee. When I do in the morning, I should have waited. No, I'm not going to taste anything for a week. And the burn hurts. And then when you have a burn on your finger or you burn your arm, it's tremendous pain. In fact, it's, it's focusing pain, isn't it? It's one of those things where you're like, maybe I should hit myself in the leg so I don't think about my arm anymore. Because it hurts so much. A fiery trial. Rejoice? Rejoice in pain? How? Why? Why? Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering. Something miraculous happens. You share in the sufferings of Christ. Jesus is better, we sing. Jesus is worth it, we say in my house often. In times of hard times, it's worth it. And there's sometimes I have to say, I think, I think it's worth it. Lord, help my unbelief. Rejoice 
insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You imagine when Christ returns and you've suffered for his faith and you see his victory coming down and you're with him? Look at this. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And I I actually love this next verse. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now look, so many people suffer because they're a meddler. I love the scriptures. One who pokes around at stuff. A thief or an evildoer. I think what Peter is, it's like, hey, if you're a murderer, you're a thief, you're a meddler, you're a jerk, and you suffer, Peter's kind of saying, yeah, sorry. That's going to happen. But if you suffer for Christ, rejoice. Do not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? You see, so many times we're tempted for vengeance, aren't we? What does the word say? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay By the way, um, Romans 13, if you want to look it up later, God does give the sword to government to protect people. And so there is an area there where government does have the authority God-given to protect and defend. Uh, I would say like for our police officers and our highway patrolmen and our firefighters, those who carry a badge, they have authority. And it's a God-given authority according to Romans. And so we pray for them and we encourage them and we support them in their protection of the people. But vengeance is not for us. It is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Now, some of you have heard me say this before. I am a sinner. I am sinful. I can be angry at sin, but can I ever, ever be as angry as God is at sin? Nope. Because he is holy and I am not. I don't even see sin against me clearly. God sees it as worse. And scriptures speak of him casting judgment. What does he say to the one who make a little one to stumble? It's better if a millstone were cast around their neck and they were thrown into the sea from the word of God. God will do a much better job repaying than we could ever do. Rest in his sovereign care. So do not be surprised. We entrust our souls to the faithful creator. I didn't have time to turn to the earlier part of Romans 8, but let's talk about, real quick, natural disasters. Earthquakes, hurricanes, famine, drought, uh, tornadoes. Romans 8 says this, all creation is groaning, awaiting redemption. The earth is paying the price of the fall also. And it too groans, awaiting Christ's return, where all things will be made new. So when these things happen, we remind ourselves that this is not our home. This is just a mist. It's a vapor. It's a quick. 80 plus years, depending on God's will and his grace. We are immortal, remember? We're immortal till he calls us home. And so a famine comes, if this if disease comes on a large scale, hurricanes, earthquakes, whatever it may be, God is on the throne. 
and this earth is broken. Let it remind you of that. But then go from the brokenness and go to the healer, which is Jesus Christ. I trust and just pray that this encouraged your heart this morning. I truly felt led to do it. Um, not saying this, I'm not looking for affirmation. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, no, that was great. That's not what I'm saying. But God is good. Even in the midst of dark times, his light is greater. Because God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's so many other scriptures. Run to the scriptures in time of trial. You will find your comfort. You will find your joy. You will find peace in the word of God and the promises that are faithful and true. Amen? Let's pray, and then we'll close in song. And uh, thank you for worshiping and being, with the, being together with us this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, oh, so often we are struck, and evil is just thrown right in our face, and we see the brokenness of this world, the hurting of this world, the murder, the treachery, the sinfulness, and the brokenness. But Father, I just thank you and I praise you that in the midst of that, there is a healer. There is a redeemer, and that is Christ. Lord, you have taken us when we were dead in our sins, when we were broken, unfixable, decayed, wicked. And Lord, you raised us with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. And so, Lord, we have a world right now that is reeling with questions. Lord, a world that is hurting, longing for answers. Oh, Father, I would just pray that within Paris, you would, we would see your Holy Spirit being poured out among those people. Lord, that they would go to the end of themselves and run to Christ. Lord, that they would see that the answer to wickedness is your holiness and your righteousness. Not that we get through anything we do, but that we receive through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your victory. Thank you that you are coming again and you say, behold, I am making all things new. We look forward to that day when we will be with you when we will see you and the tears will be wiped away and you will be our God and you will dwell with us. You are so good. Thank you. Thank you for all you've done. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.